0: the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Special welcome to each one this morning. Welcome to the visitors. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Thank you, Andrew, for what you shared there. I feel like I need that strength this morning, which only comes from the Lord. Um, i Maybe we could just wait on the Lord here this morning a little bit. Could I ask you to stand again? And could I have a couple of others just pray, lead out in prayer, and then I'll close for the service here this morning?
1: Yes, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, we worship you, we praise you. Thank you, Father, for being here in our midst this morning, Lord. Where there's two or three gathered together in your name, there you are in their midst, God, and we thank you we being here, Lord, and God, we do look to you, Oh Lord, that you would feed us from heaven this morning, God, through Brother David and Brother Mark and and uh, Brendan has a children's lesson, Oh God, we pray, Lord, just have your way here today. Dear God, I pray that this would be a holy sanctuary, God, where you are, where you're meeting the needs of the, of the, of the hearts of your people. Lord, we look to you for that this morning, God, and we thank you. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the blood of Jesus, God, that cleanses us from all sin. And Lord, that we can be in right standing with a Holy God this morning. Father, we love you. We praise you. Lord, just pour out your grace and your strength on David this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. To you, and we know that you're a God and has your ears open unto our mm-hmm. prayers and you mm-hmm. love to give your children good gifts, Father. We trust that you will do that today. You'll we'll minister to the speakers, through the speakers, and to our hearts, Lord. Mm-hmm. If we come hungry and thirsty, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I pray that we all have that hunger and thirst. Yes. Spirit upon them and fill them with your
0: presence Pray in Jesus name. heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, we just are here in your presence, Lord, we wait before you here this morning, Lord, and ask for you to be here with us, Lord, we just need you, God, without you, we can do nothing, Lord, we have nothing of ourselves, Lord, but we thank you that you want to dwell with your people and live in us. thank you for that, Lord and Pray for each one that is here, pray that you would bless each heart, Lord, strengthen the ones that are um, struggling and the ones that are encouraged. I just pray that you would be with each one, just build us up here today, Lord, and help us to look to you for our strength. Lord, help me just to open my mouth here, Lord, and just share the few things that I feel that you've given, Lord, and that I could have humility and just brokenness before you, God, and just be here with us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this morning, as um, so I was pondering what to share, this past week, I, nothing. I, I was having a little bit of a difficulty knowing what I should share, um, and then here this past while a couple of us brothers are going through, a, just started going through a book here, and I feel like God spoke to me or showed me a few things in my own life. Where I need to work on and was challenged by, and I thought I might share a few things out of this. Um, It's on, well, the book is called Disciplines of a Godly Man. And this morning I'd like to look at the subject of discipline of godliness. And it's something that I feel a lack of in my life. I don't know where you find yourself in the discipline of godliness in your own life, in your Christian life. One thing I want to say is I really appreciate for my example for my dad, um, just in being disciplined and getting up in the morning and spending time with the Lord and and family devotions made that a priority in our family. Sometimes it was kind of long-winded, but I know I really appreciated it. Um, So it's a very, very important thing. I'm going to read a little bit here. Um, And then we're going to look at some scriptures. Um, This is just kind of, um, it's about the author and how he started out in life and just some things. I thought was a good example, so you can just listen and see what you can take from it. Sometime in the early summer before entering seventh grade, I wandered over from the baseball field and picked up a tennis racket for the first time. And I was hooked. It was not long before I became a ten-year-old tennis bum My passion for the sport became so intense, I would idly hold a tennis ball and just sniff it. And the rubbery fragrance, upon opening a can of new tennis balls, became intoxicating. The wop-wop and lingering ring of a sweetly hit ball, especially in the quietness of the early morning, was to me symphonic. My memories of that summer and the one that followed are blistering black tennis courts, hot feet, salty sweat, long drafts of delicious, rubbery, tepid water from an empty ball can and the short shadows of midday, heading slowly toward the east, followed by a stadium, daylight of the court's lights. That fall, I determined to become a tennis player. I spent my hoarded savings on one of those beautiful laminated Davis and Peril tennis rackets, a treasure that I actually took to bed with me. I was disciplined. I played every day after school except during the basketball season and every weekend. When spring came, I biked to the courts where the local high school team practiced and longingly watched until they finally gave in and let me play with them. The next two summers, I took lessons, played some tournaments, and practiced about six to eight hours a day, coming home only when they turned off the lights. And I became good. I was good enough, in fact, that as a -a 12-and-a-half-year-old 110-pound pound freshman, I was second man on the Variety City tennis team of my large 3,000-student California high school. Not only did I play at a high level, I learned that personal discipline is the indispensable key for accomplishing anything in this life. I have since come to understand even more that it is, in fact, the mother and handmaid of what we call genius. And then he has different examples of um, People in sports, music, and different things of how they accomplished what they did. I'm going to read just one of them. Closer to our own time, Winston Churchill was rightly proclaimed the speaker of the 20th century. And few who have heard his eloquent speeches would have disagreed. Still fewer would have suspected that he was anything but a natural. But the truth is, Churchill had a distracting lisp that made him the butt of many jokes and resulted in his inability to be spontaneous in public speaking. Yet he became famous for his speeches and his seemingly impromptu remarks. Actually, Churchill wrote everything out and practiced it. Um, he pretended fumblings for the right phrase. The margins of his manuscripts carry notes, anticipating the cheers, prolonging cheering and even standing ovation. This done, he practiced endlessly in front of the mirrors, fashioning his retorts and facial expressions. F.E. Smith, a close friend of Churchill, said, Winston has spent... <clears throat> the best years of his life writing impromptu speeches, a natural perhaps, a natural disciplined, hardworking man and so it goes wherever, whatever the area of life Thomas Edison came up with the innocent life after a thousand failures Samuel Beckett said, ever tried, ever failed no matter, try again felt again, felt better so that's just in the natural um, it's talking about just how it is um, when we are disciplined in our life. And that is something that I have a need in my own life in that, um, just in being disciplined. And whatever we put our mind to, whatever we put our heart into, um, we can accomplish quite a bit. And I believe the same way, Um, goes for our own Christian life. You know, how disciplined are we in that? Um, I'd like to turn to 1 Timothy 4, chapter 4, verse 7. Paul had some things to say to Timothy about being disciplined. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. Maybe we'll actually go on to verse 8 too. But refuse profane and old wise fables. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. He's talking here about um, just bodily exercise and strength it says, but refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, which takes a discipline of life. Um, so where, you know, where, where do we find ourselves here this morning? Do we find ourselves um, in a dry and thirsty land or do we feel that? you know, God is there with us and and we are pressing in. I I found myself more on the other side and um, just the need for pressing in and and to be disciplined in my own life. Uh, Another point he brought out here is spiritual sweat. I'll just read here a little bit. Any word... He is calling for some spiritual sweat just as athletes discarded everything and competed free of anything that could possibly burden them. So we must get rid of every encumbrance, every association, habits, habit, and tendency that impedes godliness. If we are to excel, we must strip ourselves to a lean spiritual nakedness. And I think that is so true. I know there's things that are in my own life... um, Maybe I'm not willing to let go of them, but they're things that hold me back and keep me from, from moving forward. And it could be in the, you know with discipline. Um, I might call for your interaction here a little bit. What are? Could you give me some examples? Um, let's see here. What, or I could say, what are some things in life? that hold us back from running the race or from, from being disciplined? Does anybody have some ideas? There's no right or wrong answer. Um, does anybody have something off the top of their head? What keeps us from that? No. Ourself? Yes, that's right. We, ourself gets in the way way too many times. Anything Distractions. else? Distractions? That's right. I wrote a few things down here. Busyness, we make ourselves more busy than we need to be. And that, you know, that comes, as I was thinking about that, that really comes down to our priorities. Where is our priority at? What do we value? How is our value system? Um, Love for the world can really get in the way. If we have love for the world, another thing that he br- brings out here, but, and that is on the area of entertainment. And that can come in many different ways. It can come in the form of um, our phones, our computers, and just you, you can put whatever in there you want. But some it, it distracts from our love for the Lord, and it can distract and take away from yeah from time spent with the Lord. Uh, let's turn now to First Corinthians nine. First Corinthians nine, twenty-five to twenty-seven. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore run, so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should become a castaway. I think Paul had a really good idea of what a a good picture of what being disciplined was like he went through a lot and um he's just talking here about striving pressing in you know we need to have a clear vision um, a clear goal for where we are going what what is what is our purpose where are we going with with our life do we have those goals and visions Strive gives the idea to make great efforts to achieve or to abstain, obtain something. To struggle and fight vigorously. Out in the world today, you know, there's this idea of that the Christian life is a bed of roses. Or it's real easy. It's not difficult. Um, but the truth is, there's, we need to put some sweat and effort into it. We need to press in. And it's not going to be all easy, um, but it will be worth it in the end. And there was another uh, point he brought out here about legalism. This is something that spoke to me. I'll just read it here. Underlying much of the conscious rejection of spiritual discipline is the fear of legalism. Many spiritual disciplines. For many, spiritual discipline means putting oneself back under the law with a series of rules that no one can live up to and which spawn frustration and spiritual death. But nothing could be farther from the truth if you understand what discipline and legalism are. The difference is one of motivation. Legalism is self-centered. Discipline is God-centered. The legalistic heart says, I will do this thing to gain merit with God. The disciplined heart says, I will do this thing because I love God and want to please him. There's an infinite difference between the motivation of legalism and discipline. And I thought he brought that out pretty clear and well. Um, And this is something that stuck out to me and I feel like God was speaking to me about. Is that I was treating my Christian life too much in a legalistic way, I guess you could say. Where... I wanted to, you know, gain merit with God. I wanted to do what is right. But yet the love for God wasn't there like it needed to be. And we need to, you know, do things. Our relationship with God needs to be out of a love for him, not just, uh, you could say, you know, to keep us from going to hell, which those things are all right. But we need to have that love. It needs to be out of a heart of love for God. Let's turn now to Philippians three, Philippians three, thirteen and fourteen. All here again. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And, you know, here it brings out again, it's, it's not necessarily easy, but we need to press in, we need to strive and move forward in that way forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, reaching in front of us. Let's turn yet to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8. I'd like to uh, leave this with us. And I trust this can be each one of our testimony, my, my own too. That's what I desire. Paul, it's a very familiar um, Paul just here at the end of his life, here in verse 7 and 8. First Timothy four, so. uh, it's not the one I was thinking of. I can, yeah, let me check there. Yeah, that's right. So I just want to leave us with this. It says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not me only, but to all them that love his appearing. So I trust that we can all have that testimony as we press in and apply discipline to our lives. That we can say, just like Paul here, that we have fought a good fight. And the Lord will welcome us in at that day. So that's all I have this morning. I hope you could get something from that and take something home with you. God bless you.